0: Good evening. Um, I work at a factory, and a few years ago, my boss had approached me and said, Brendan, I'm uh, taking a different job. Um, I'm heading out of here, um, doing some different work, and I'd like for you to take over some of the things I do until they find somebody to replace me. He said, don't worry. It'll be at least a month, Uh, we'll have plenty of time, we can work side by side, and uh, I'll teach you the way, connect you with everything, and be connected with, show you all the processes we need to do. Um, And uh, and I thought, okay, that sounds good, we can uh, uh, get all that figured out and get it taken care of. Um, And then he went and talked to his boss and told him the same story, that he's gonna be moving on and uh, taking a different job. Uh, and his boss wasn't very happy with that, and he said, "Not only uh, um, are you not, not only am I not going to allow you to work for another month, but I want you out of here at noon." And so uh, they they kicked him out, and my 30 days of training turned into 30 minutes as he was walking out the door. Um, needless to say, I did not get nearly what I needed for uh, for that uh, training. I got a little bit. I got the gist of, hey, keep the factory running, um, but you're gonna have to figure out all the details. Um, the, the, past, the The books we're looking at today, First and Second Thessalonians, have a similar um, a, a similar story as that. We have Paul in Thessalonica. Um, Sharing the gospel with the Thessalonians. Um, one of the first times they're probably, first time they're ever hearing the gospel, and it seems to be going really well. In Acts 17, it says that there's a number of Jews and God fearing Gentiles that believe. And actually, it's not just Paul, Paul, Timothy, and Silas are all there um, doing ministry. And they're, they're there for a pretty short period of time. Uh, it says at this point they're there for three Sabbaths. So, they get to be preaching on three, three Sundays and, and connecting with the Thessalonians. And then somewhere at the end of that, rioters started to gather and persecute uh, the people that were hosting Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And so they drug uh, this guy named Jason who was, who was hosting them, drug him in front of the, the local government and said, uh, you know, th- this guy is plotting against Caesar and uh, they don't respect him. Anyway, it caused Paul, Timothy, and Silas to head out of there. Uh, they left and went to Corinth, and uh, uh, to avoid the persecution. Well, as as you can imagine, uh, they only had a very short period of time with uh, with Paul, and um, and there was some things that were left undone. Uh, so when Paul gets in into uh, Corinth, you can tell even from these letters that he really cares for these people. He loves the Thessalonians, um, really cares for their hearts. And so what he does is he um, talks with Timothy and says, Timothy, go back to the Thessalonians, talk with them, see how they're doing. I'm desperate to know, are they following God? Are they, are they living out the things we talk to them about? Um, Are they having issues? Find out what those are and and let us know. Bring us a a report back of how the Thessalonians are doing. Well, Timothy does this, goes to Thessalonica, uh, talks with them, brings back a report, and the report is is largely positive. Uh, It it looks like they're following Christ. It looks like they're they're seeking to uh, give their life to Christ. They're loving others, Um, but there's a few things that are off. Uh, A few things that need correction. And so uh, Timothy comes back and tells Paul that report. Paul writes a letter and this is what we have for his first Thessalonians. That letter is delivered to the Thessalonians um, and soon after that uh, another report is brought to Paul and a similar report. Things are going well but there's there's still some more issues that popped up and so Paul writes a second letter to the Thessalonians and uh, that would be Second Thessalonians, um, and so we're going to look at those uh, those tonight. Um, we uh, as, as we're looking as we're looking at this, the the main theme that we have for this evening, it, for First and Second Thessalonians, and both of them really have similar themes. So as we go through this, we're going to be pulling a little bit from First Thessalonians and some from Second. We'll hop around. Um, <clears throat> But the theme, that the good news that we have from from these books are that Jesus Christ will return, and this should encourage us and give us direction for our lives. So again, that's uh, Jesus Christ will return, and this should encourage us and give us direction for our lives. Now, the first uh, two themes that we're gonna look at is they are focused on corrections, corrections, things that the Thessalonians um, need, to, need to fix. Um, but before we look at that, I want to read this passage. If you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians uh, 1, and we'll look at verses 2 through 5. That's 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 5. It says, We give thanks to God always for all of you. We constantly mention you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. So if you look over these verses, we see things that he's saying. He's saying he's giving thanks for them. He's praising them for their steadfast, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls them brothers. Um, he talks about the power that they have in the Holy Spirit. Uh, that The full conviction is on them. Um, and, and keep in mind, he's about to talk to them about some things that they have wrong. And I think it's good for us uh, as we look at these corrections just to remember um, when we have fellow brothers and sisters that maybe theology isn't quite right or they're working on things and, and, uh, and, and working out their convictions, it's possible to give, give correction uh, while at the same time, uh, encouraging them. Uh, maybe some, maybe we have um, friends and family and, and uh, church members that you might not be a- agreeing on everything, but, but Paul doesn't look at that as an option to not be encouraging. Um, he's always pushing us towards encouragement, even in the midst of correction. Um, so the first theme we have is uh, the correction regarding those who had died. Um, As Josh had read 1 Thessalonians 4, we'll take a look at that. Uh, If you want to look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I'll read this verse, and this explains a little bit of the issue, basically the issue that we have going on. Um, Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So the Thessalonians believed that... Well, I think what, ha- what happened is Paul had left, and they have their church together, and, and Paul had preached about the return of Christ, and in that period of time, some of their church members had passed away. Well, they, as you can tell, they were really grieved by this. It hurt them. Somebody had pa- some of their loved ones had passed away, Christ hadn't returned yet, and they're thinking, man, these people are lost. They passed away before Christ came back, and, and now, now they're lost. We don't know where they are, what's going to happen with them, and this is really, really bothering them. And, and Paul says they, um, that they have no reason to grieve, and he's going to give a few explanations for that. So if we continue in verse 14, it says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus... God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And when they say fallen asleep here, they're talking about not falling asleep, but, but that they have died, that they have passed away. So he's saying God will bring the dead believers, those who have passed away, with him. We'll continue in verse uh, 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. A lot of things in there are incredibly comforting. The one that sticks out the most uh, to me is, is in verse 17 when he says, And so we will always be with the Lord. Man, what a comfort that is to know whether you're alive, whether you pass away, whatever the situation, there's not a single second that goes away that we are not with the Lord. Paul's saying those that are here when Christ returns have no advantage to those who have passed away. We're always with the Lord. There's, uh, one is not better than the other. There's nothing that can separate us. Um, and, and I'm sure as the Thessalonians are reading this, it brings tremendous comfort to them uh, to know that, to find out that their loved ones are not lost at all. Christ is in control. He's got a hold of them, and, and, and all is good. And he does talk about um, not to grieve as, as, as non-believers. Um, of course, as believers, we we are we are called to grief. We see in the Psalms that uh, there's grief constantly. But as believers, we have the hope that uh, in our grief, we uh, we 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 have hope in our grief. Um, I think we do this really well as a church. As, as we see loved ones pass away, I I, I often hear um, all of you talking and encouraging one another uh, that there is hope in in death when we know Christ. That that uh, there is a a place in heaven uh, with no more crying, no more pain, and and we encourage one another with that, and and I I think we do a really good job of that, and just need to keep doing that, encourage one another that that we have a tremendous amount of hope in um, in life after death. Uh, the second correction that Paul talks about is regarding the day the the day of the Lord has come. So this will we'll jump into Second Thessalonians here. Um, so this is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Um, now, uh, they, basically the thought was that the Lord has come. It was the last days, and, and we'll see that here in verse 1 and 2. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So they thought the day of the Lord has come. They thought that they were in the very last days. And and the question is why did they why did they think this? Well, from that passage, it seems like people outside of Paul, Timothy, and Silas had had misled them. Uh, it could have been a letter. Um, could have been a conversation they had with someone. Either way, someone got uh, within the church and started saying something different than what Paul had said. And another thing that could have caused this thought is the Thessalonians were under a lot of persecution. And um, when we talk about uh, the day of the Lord and, and the end times, we know that persecution will be heavy. And so that may have also been a part of why they were thinking this. Um, but Paul's response to this comes in <clears throat> in Second Thessalonians 2 verses three through five. It says, "Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of God, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God." So Paul's saying, the rebellion and the man of lawlessness has not yet come. Um, Don't listen to those who those folks who have misled you. There's particular signs and things that we're watching for that 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 show that they are incorrect, and you need to get back on the track, back on track as to to, towards truth. Uh, One of the results of this belief um, that they thought there was very limited days left is some of, them, um, some of them stopped working. We see in 2 Thessalonians uh, 3.11, it says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not, at, not busy at work, but busy bodies. So the logic here is they said, well, if Christ is coming back uh, next week, Maybe I will just skip out on work. You know, there's a lot of other things I'd rather do. Uh, if, if, if this whole thing ends in, in a week from now, there's a lot of other things I'd rather be doing. I'm not going to work today. I'm, I'm doing these other things. Um, so that's one of the possibilities that, that was the reason for their uh, laziness and lack of work. Uh, the other one uh, could be that they were just lazy <laughs> and they didn't want to work. Uh, both, both seem to be um, potential... Uh, reasons, and, and we're not given a ton of clarity on, on uh, which one it was. But either way, whatever the reason was, Paul gives them correction. And we see that in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. He says, Now we commend you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with any of you, Will and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Um, so Paul here is saying, hey, keep away from idleness. Imitate us. What a great example Paul was. He, uh, it seems that he probably knew they struggled with this. And so while they were there, uh, generally they would, they would be living off support, but um, from different people but in, in Thessalonica it looks like they didn't uh, they didn't do that. They didn't ask anything from them. So they were working all day preaching and, and teaching these folks and and they were also uh, figuring out how to cover the rest of the uh, their costs that were needed uh, by their own work. They were uh, they were really working their tails off to make sure these people know uh, as Christians we are called to work hard. Um, And uh, he talks about just working quietly and uh, that they would make their own living. And so he corrects that, pushes them towards that, um, and helps them understand what it looks like, uh, what work looks like as a Christian. The next theme is um, that we just see popping up throughout both of these books is that unbelievers will have wrath when Christ returns, and believers will have salvation. So... He gives clarity on salvation for a believer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-10, it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we awake or sleep, we might live with him. Um, this, that we, should, uh, yeah, we should just be encouraged by this and, and, and always be talking about this, that... Um, Christ has not destined us for wrath. Praise God. That's amazing. And we obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a constant reminder. Uh, I guarantee in Paul's short time with the Thessalonians, he talked about that again and again and again. Uh, he's, he's, he's Obviously, he's not needing to correct anything on that. I'm, I'm sure that that was a point that they talked about often, that um, God has not destined us for wrath. Um, where we have salvation through Jesus Christ. And then he also on the flip side talks about the, gives clarity for wrath on nonbelievers. believers On 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 4, he says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Uh, we just do, n- we never want to underestimate God's wrath and his holiness. Uh, when more and more we understand his holiness, the more and more we can understand his wrath. And we just want to keep that in mind. And even as we cross paths with non believers, I think um, talking about. There's peace and security, a false sense of peace and security. Uh, part of us getting to share the gospel and, and talk with people is trying to break down that peace and security and help people understand that's just not reality. Um, especially, uh, I feel work—you uh, know—working on a normal daily basis, people are not worried about um, their salvation and, and, and think that uh, it was. It was a lie in the, in the time of the Thessalonians, but it's a lie today as well, um, that, that those who don't know Christ have this peace and security and don't need to worry about anything. And those conversations are hard to have, but they're hard to have um, when, when we encounter people like that. Uh, the next theme that we see is uh, Paul calls the Thessalonians to live holy and blameless. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, So Paul is calling them to holiness. He's he one of the first things he hits on is abstaining from sexual immorality. Um, in our culture, we have a, uh, it's a celebrated hookup culture. It seems that uh, marriage is is disregarded on a regular basis, um, and and we are called to to not follow that path, but to hold uh, and bring purity to uh, uh, to our marriages and bring. Uh, bring that, raise raise our kids like that and show them that there is incredibly, it's incredibly important to understand how we abstain from sexual immorality. Um, to calls us to control the body and to not lust and, and at the end he talks about not doing these things, not pursuing holiness. This is not up in man, but it's disregarding God. Um, that should wake us up, and, and, and as we see that, that as we as we sin, as as we fall in these in these matters, and 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 maybe fall even in uh, sexual immorality, that that we are disregarding God. We are looking at God and saying, "I have nothing to do with you. Uh, it doesn't matter that you're there." I, don't believe in you. That—that that is the kind of disregard we're having uh, when we when we follow these uh, these paths of sin. And and uh, yeah, Paul calls them to uh, to holiness and, and blamelessness. The uh, the last theme I have in here is that God will bring about His holiness. Well, we see this talked about through several different several different passages. But the one I want to look at is first thessalonians five twenty three through twenty four It says, "Now may the peace of god uh, may, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it that's a that's a heavy ask for us to have a whole spirit that is holy, a whole soul that is holy, and a whole body that is holy, uh, that is blameless. Um, we are just reminded that regardless of whether we have um, three weeks of teaching or we're, at a, we're blessed to, to be at a church like we're at, where every week we have awesome teaching and get encouraged by our pastors, um, regardless of that, we are we are gonna fall short, and and we cannot rely on on anything on our own that that we're we are trying to do. Uh, there's nothing we can do to, to gain our own holiness, and um, and that Christ is faithful. He gives us the holiness that is needed, and as Christians, we just need to remind, be reminded that He will do it. He surely will do it, and. For that to just be a comfort to us day in and day out that that Christ is our king, we will follow him pursue him and he will bring our salvation he will bring us that holiness that we are we are called to live let's pray father we're just thankful for your word we thank you we thank you for first and second Thessalonians God what a what a joy it is that we get to know what the what lies in the future that we know what what salvation brings, and, and we don't have to fear death, uh, that we, we get instruction from Scripture and, and know how to live that, and know that even if we fall short, your goodness covers us, your, your death on the cross covers us, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. Uh, help us to live, live accordingly to that, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.